we are addicted, we define who we are, define what we are, we define our whole identity is wrapped up in just achieving. I was used to operating at 12 to 16 hour a day and three hours of sleep consistently for years until one day I literally just had this thought who is chasing you and the interesting thing productivity and the hours spent in an office space are not linked as a leader how are you modeling rest and welcome to everyday leadership a podcast where you get to listen and learn how to lead yourself personally and professionally through the lessons and life experiences my guests share in the hope that it challenges and inspires you to lead yourself from the inside out and not the outside in. Today on Everyday Leadership, we are gonna have a conversation about addiction. And before you roll your eyes, and before you switch off, it's addiction, but in a very different way than what you, the mind have gone to. This is not about addiction to drugs. It's not about addiction to music or sex or anything else along that lines. I want to talk about addiction to doing. It's just me, no guests, because once in a while, I just like to have a conversation with my audience about something that I've been listening to, observing, reading about, or things that have been bubbling on my heart. And this particular topic has been bubbling on my heart for probably the last three months or so. So naturally, when you think about addiction, you go to those examples I gave to you a couple of minutes ago. Actually, the definition of addiction in a dictionary is the fact or condition of being addicted to a particular substance or activity. And the reality is we are addicted to doing, full stop. And we are supposed to be human beings, not human doings, yet. As human doings, I'm not sure that's a word or not, although that term exists, but I'm going to go with it anyway. It's a podcast. Um, that means that we are defined by our actions and what we contribute to society. It's a mindset that says that our worth is solely based on our productivity, our accomplishments, or our societal role. Now, I know there's so many different layers and levels to this. If I was to dive into this as... Um, man, a husband, a father, and so many different areas. I'm not going down that road. I'm just staying at that high level of we are addicted to just going and going and going. See, in business, it's always easier to be able to make that argument for working more and more and more. There are competitions, com- competitors around us. There's a lot of stuff to get done. But the reality is, it's not actually the more stuff you do that actually helps you to make progress. In fact, there's less. The studies that have been done who have looked at some of the most celebrated minds in history, um, people like Charles Darwin and others, and the way that they worked wasn't about work, 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 work. I think Charles Darwin was a famous to be someone who, he might be halfway through a sentence and he'd be like, oh, time, he stops. He roughly worked about four hours a day. It wasn't about the fact that he was a super genius. It was the fact that he recognized that rest fueled his thoughts and creativity. 
he had this practice that he went on every single day where he called the thinking bar. And this is when he would just stop his work and go on very long walks. This is something that he did his entire life. And it helped him. We are human doings. We define who we are. We define what we are. We define our whole identity is wrapped up in just achieving more. But doesn't actually help us and doesn't actually serve us. I'm speaking from experience. I'm someone who's used to working 12 to 16 hour days. When I worked in Corbin in particular, it was crazy. Either due to travel, so many different things. I could leave my house at 5 a.m. in the morning and I'm getting back in like 7 a.m. at night. Right in mind, I've woken up roughly around 3.34 so I could exercise in the morning and then have a shower, all that kind of good stuff, and then jump in my car and go to work. That was what I was used to operating, and it was standard for me. It was normal for me. I made time for myself. I made time for my family. I made time for work. So in theory, listening to that, thinking, actually, you got you managed to create some harmony and achieve balance. It doesn't make it right. Just because you managed to create a narrative or story or make something work doesn't mean that that's the rate or which you should be consistently operating. But just even emphasize this a little bit um, further for me, I can say that I was addicted to work. The reason why I can say that with my full chest, when I started to work for myself, I would still wake up at ridiculous times. So bearing in mind for me to have the family, the work and time for myself, I condensed my sleep to a couple of hours. I was used to operating. I can do a 12 to 16 hour a day on three hours of sleep consistently for years. No, I didn't say it was the most healthy, but I could do it consistently for years. When I started to work for myself, I was still in that mindset. I was still in that, like, I had to get out. I go, now this is all completely on me. I'm not working for an organization anymore. So I had to get out there and to talk to clients and to strategize and to think and to do all of these different bits and pieces. Until one day, I literally just had this thought, and honestly, I felt it was God just saying, like, who is chasing you? Like, we were talking about who is chasing you, and it just stopped me in my tracks. I don't need to get up at 6 o'clock in the morning. There are people who have their own routines, and they talk about how great it is for them. That's them, but I didn't need to do that. There was a period in my life I had to do that, but now I'd chosen a different path for me. I could wake up later. I didn't need to use my alarm to wake me up. I could still get up. I could still exercise in the morning. And I had enough time to do every single thing I needed to do for that day. I didn't need to rush. And it's made such a change and a difference to me, to my mental health, to the way that I look at things, the way I think about things, the way I approach the conversations with my clients. So I'm talking as someone who's been there, done that, lived in it, immersed in it, until I had to ask myself that question. So this is not just coming from a random philosophical kind of place. And it's been quite interesting. Um, I was talking to a client recently and he's like, ah, oh, you Europeans, what is wrong with you people? One, well, I hate being referred to as a European, but I didn't, I didn't trip about that. But he was frustrated 
about the fact that he wanted to um he wanted to do some work um but we'll talk about timelines and dates and all that kind of stuff and i told him that oh in august that's not gonna be possible because it's practically shut down in europe because there's different people are away so the team are not necessarily going to be available and that was his point now the us i think in the west if my stats are correct they are the longest they work the longest hours for any advanced economy and for them the prize is having what how many how many hours have you done in the office productivity and hours spent in the office do not have any correlation i'm not about to get into any conversation about hybrid working that's a whole different podcast but this data has shown that those who work longer are less productive there was a study done by Stanford University. They looked at those who worked 70 hours and those who worked 55 hours. Those who worked 70 hours were, were normal, more productive than those who had worked 55 hours in that week. In fact, they found that those who had worked 70 hours were likely to make more mistakes and to experience burnout. There was another study done by a university closer to home. And it found that employers who were given more control over their work hours were more productive. Though when employees gave their, their people um, flexible hours, they were more likely to be engaged in their work and to take fewer sick days. There's loads of different stats available. Just want to share that with you. So you can just let that just sit with you for a little while. And the interesting thing, productivity and the hours spent in an office space are not linked. Productivity and the hours spent doing something are not linked. I know back in the day you could spend eight, nine hours in the office. Out of eight, nine hours, you're probably only doing four. If you're lucky, four, four. Let me, let me, let me, let me be nice. Five hours, if you're lucky, of good, solid work. The rest of the time, you're getting up, having conversations, having a cup of tea, stretching your legs, doing so many different bits and pieces even for those people who are in and out in and out in and out of meetings what tends to happen when they get to their desk ah i've been in meetings all day i'm never going to have i've not had the chance to do the work i really need to do now i need to work a couple more hours so they spend the whole day in meetings at home productive it happens your productivity is not linked to the amount of hours that you put in yet we are still human do it and the conversation i've been having a lot with a lot of leaders has been around rest and holidays and the connection between both of them you see there has been a rise in mental health issues if i was to focus solely on the uk um about 50 percent of the long-term sick leave is due to stress depression and anxiety in the uk 55 of those 55% of those people who experience depression say that work is a contributing factor. 79% of UK employees feel close to burnout. And if you go into the tech industry, that's 82%. That's a lot of people. Poor mental health costs UK employees around 56 billion every year. And that's a year on year 25% increase since 2019. If you haven't already, can you please follow the podcast? 
It really helps us grow and it tells the apps that it's the podcast worth listening to. Which the fact that you're listening to means that it is and other people need to know about it. In Apple Podcast, if you click the three dots in the top right of your app, look for the follow button and click on it. And in Spotify, the follow button should be just below the show's artwork. Now let's get back into today's episode. And I think globally it's said that mental health issues like linked to workplace cost around one trillion a year. There's so many more stats around poor mental health. And the reason why I'm talking to leaders about this is post-pandemic, there are, there are a number of different impacts that have come out, but one of the major ones have been post-pandemic. One of the interesting areas money has been poured into my organization has been around the mental health of their staff and their people. One of the major areas that has also seen a lot of increases, however, has been people going off with stress because they just feel they have to keep on going and going and going. And I always ask this question to leaders, how are you modeling rest and holidays to your people? To those that work with in the UK, in Europe, in the US, in a society like that, yes, I have exactly the same question. How are you modeling it? And the reason why even in the, U- in the US more so, in North America in particular, that's been an area where a lot of com- um, companies, especially in the tech world, have um, created unlimited holidays for their people. So they've done a great thing, it seems on paper, we've given you unlimited holidays. Can their people take it, however? The answer is no. Because when they try and take it, there's one manager saying that, oh, you can't do that right now. Or there is a need to say, oh, there's so much work happening right now, you can't, you can't go off. So what's the point we were providing a resource that most people can tap into? That's why you were seeing the burnout because that, that's the normal comeback. Oh, but we've done this for our employees. We've provided all these different resources. We've given them unlimited holidays. I'm like, yeah, but can your people actually utilize the resource you've created for them? The answer is no. That's why your burnout is so high. Also, as a leader, how are you modeling rest? Oh yeah, I take time off. I'm like, okay. So when you take time off, does your laptop and your phone go with you? I used to respond to Slack messages. I used to respond to emails. Do people still see you? You're supposed to be off somewhere, different part of the world, an email pop up from you. Like, my friend, you're supposed to be on holiday. How are you actually modeling the right behavior with your people? Because as a leader, it's not about what you say, it's about what you do. But the reality is, and part of the conclusion we all came to highly connected leaders become addicted therefore they feel they need to touch base they need to respond to messages throughout the day heaven forbid like they've missed something important but reality they don't part is also ego driven you think the world will stop if you are not involved it still goes on to you too you never know you can be you can be fired they'll find something new they will replace you. The world goes on. You say your family is important to you. But yet, rather than spending the time with them, due to your addiction to what? You focus on that, and then those right next to you. You need to take a break. There are benefits to family relationships the benefits to your mental health, the benefits to 
your general well-being. That's just a fact. For us to lean into the business side of things, you are modeling behaviors for your people. So when people think it's unacceptable to take time off, when people view it as it shows a lack of commitment by taking time off, burnout is going to be rampant. It's going to increase over and over and over again because you are not leading by example. You are saying one thing, but doing something completely different. One of the things that you can also learn when you take some time away is are my people really as good as I think they are? Because as a leader, especially in the levels I'm working with, you're supposed to be involved in a lot of the strategy stuff and not really in the day-to-day and the operational side of things. So you should be able to take that time out because your people should be able to handle it. If they cannot make a decision when you're not around, you've become a bottleneck. But you only find that out when you take yourself out of the equation. And if you become a bottleneck, that's a whole different conversation. But that's how you know, and that's how you learn. So if you don't want to do it from everything else we've talked about so far, do it for the business. Do it for your business. Don't become a bottleneck for decisions or bottleneck for progress. If teams are as effective and as efficient as you think they are, they should be fine. There's a lot of things to be said around empowering your team there are a lot of things we said around creating better processes but again all these things it's nice to say it's nice to create rules about but to really put into practice you need to step out of the equation and see what happens then that's how you know that i am doing a good job i have a great team i can trust and i can rely on them if that's the case then turn off your phone focus on your family focus on yourself and just breathe. Ernest Young did a survey and they found that for each additional 10 hours of holidays employees took, their performance ratings improved by 8%. Let me say that again. 10 hours of holiday. Just 10 hours. So 10 hours probably what? Day? Roughly a day. Their year end performance improved about 8%. If the year performance improved about 8%, what does that mean for your bottom line? Also, staff who took their frequent holidays, they were less likely to leave. Your attrition numbers went down. So not only are you getting more productivity, you're making more money that way. People aren't leaving, which goes, again, when they're leaving, you have to recruit again, that costs you for more money. So whatever level you want to look at this from a philosophical perspective, from a business starts data point perspective, it's all there for you. If I was to lean into another side of things, um, when you go on holiday, there's a break in your routine. You don't land on autopilot. And that sparks something different in your brain. It helps you to think differently. It helps to create some productivity there. And we all know that when you're in that mode, when you're in relaxation mode, when you're in rest mode, holiday mode, it improves your capacity to learn and grow. There's a lot of neuroscience um, around this, where there's PET scans, MRIs, and different bits and pieces. 
your best aha moments come in a relaxed state of mind. I used to get, I still do get my best ideas when I'm exercising. When I go for a run in the morning, like a lot of the major decisions I've made in my lifetime have come when I've gone for a run in the morning. Because I'm in a relaxed state of mind. I've got chemicals, endorphins, all that kind of stuff flowing in my mind. And I'm just chilled. That's why I had to create that routine for myself of just being, being with me. <laughs> Effectively, that's what it was. An hour in the morning, it's me, it's God, it's having a conversation away from the world. It's just me wrapped up in my head. But that is where those aha moments came from. That's what happens when you switch off. That's what happens when you go on vacation. That's even why you get great ideas in the shower. It's all, it's all linked. Constant work without rest has negative consequences. We talked about burnout, talked about stress. There is anxiety that's created. There's also physical health problems that is created. The American Psychological Association um, looked into chronic stress that is created around those who are just doing and doing and doing and doing and going and going and going. And it's not a surprise when you start to look at some of the research, especially based in the US and their work rate, there's a lot of links and synergies there. But again, it's all good me saying all this stuff. I want you to not just listen to my voice, but wanting to be very intentional. That's the conversation I've been having with the leaders I've been working with. How can you actually be intentional? How can you delegate and trust your people? because you have built a competent team and therefore how can you look at it from, um, from that perspective. So everything you're doing helps you as an individual. If you have a family, it helps your family because you'll be there with them and it helps your organization because now you are empowering, really empowering, really entrusting, but also modeling the right behaviors. Imagine if you went on holiday and did all the different good things. You came back, your team had been absolutely amazing. You model the right behavior for them. So therefore they start taking their holidays and therefore their productivity goes up. Your, their mental health issues come down. Stress comes down. Productivity going up. That's more money for you. Attrition numbers are coming down. Again, more money on your bottom line. More importantly, there's more creativity because they've had that rest. Therefore more integration, again, helps your organization. It's all a win, 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 regardless of what perspective you want to look at it. This podcast is sponsored by Mindset Shift, a leadership development company focused on helping you lead from the inside out, not from the outside in. We work one-on-one with senior leaders in organizations. We work directly with HR and other parts of organizations to help you create an authentic culture where your words and your values and your actions on the line will help you to navigate the complexity and the chaos that you'll experience day in and day out. And we have a couple of openings for the one-to-one coaching this year, but that's something that you're interested in. If you want to work with a coach, who can help you navigate this year to ensure that you're intentional to take your leadership skills personally and professionally to the next level. Send me an email at hello at mindsetshift.co.uk or just go to website www.mindsetshift.co.uk. Now let's get back into today's episode. 
So how do you do this well? One of the practices I've had um, has been, if you're going and going and going and going, I didn't say like you would do all this all the way throughout July and you're just, oh, first of all, it's my holiday. I'm going to stop on the 31st. That's not good for you. Your, bro- your body, your brain are still engaged. It will take you a couple of days. It might even take you a week or two, depending on who you are, to completely switch off. So one thing we've been working with my clients on is how can you actually reduce your workload as you're heading towards your holiday? So look at it that way. You're just going down and down and down and down. So by the time I get to the 1st of July, my brain has just had a chance to just settle. It's had a chance to come down. It's had a chance to start to decompress and detach from work. When you do that, you arrive on the 1st of August a lot more alive, ready to go, ready to just switch off completely. You're not thinking about work. It is hard to do, especially the first couple of times you do it. Now, some of my clients have cheat codes because they have um, amazing EAs who can help them with their schedules and help them with their plans. Some of them is around prioritization. Actually, you know what? We're going to have fewer meetings. Yes, there might be some meetings that we need to have for legal reasons and some that are super important. But then all these different things are coming. Are they really that important? No. So I can reduce them. I can shift them to the first earlier part of July and then have a ramp down. It is possible. Done this with CEOs of ridiculous companies. Um, done this with um, a startup founder who ended up selling this company for a couple of billion all the way down. I've done this myself. July, I've been very intentional with my workload, with what kind of, with who I'm seeing, what I'm doing to ensure that I'm in a better space and mindset because I'm taking July, I'm taking August off, switching off, spending time with my family, spending time with myself and switching off. I didn't want to arrive at August in the mindset of all the different work I had to do. So intentionally, I modeled that in um, July for me. I practice what I preach. I can't be out there having these conversations, um, coaching clients, working with teams around reducing burnout in your organization, um, around modeling the right behavior. And I'm not practicing when I preach it. That's not authentic to me. So therefore, I am doing this. I recognize, again, the struggles that come with it. And in fact, let me share another struggle that come with it, especially as... Um, an entrepreneur. One of the things I asked myself was, you're going away in August. You can schedule a lot of posts so people still see stuff from you and all the content and stuff is there. Going back and forth, like, I could do that, but who am I doing it for? If I go ghost for a month and you don't hear from me for a month and I don't see any social content from me for a month, so what? If I come back and people have gone, man, and they forgot about me, that's on that. So these are questions I ask myself. I'm not saying that's what you need to do. Everyone's completely different. But I know I have my own reasons. I'm choosing to go down that route because I don't, I recognize I don't want to be addicted to social media. I don't want to be addicted to feeling the need that I have to show up. So who? For what? For why? Therefore, I'm taking a very different route and it means something different to me. That's my mindset. That's my mentality. It could be something completely different to you. 
as a leader, it might be that I literally disconnect. I delete the apps of my phone. I do not want to have any contact whatsoever. For some of you, that might not be possible. But I can put codes on there, so I'm not going on there to check because your thumbs are a bit itchy and you want to see what's going on. It could be I have specific rules I leave with people where unless there's a particular level of escalation, do not contact me. Everyone is different. And I work with my clients and what suits them and their needs and their, that's unique for them. But we have those conversations. Ask yourself, are you addicted to doing? Are you so used to just going and going and going? Stopping feels so foreign to you. Even though it will help you, it will help you to think better, be a lot more creative, a lot more productive. It is easier to keep on going, feeling. It's about time you slow down. With that in mind, for the next month, we're going on a break. There are amazing guests lined up when I come back in September. I can't wait to share with you all. But I'm going to chill. My team are going to chill. We're going to relax. I'm going to enjoy a lovely time with my family. And then we're going to come back and go and from September onwards. Thank you for listening to me. Thank you for supporting this podcast. If you haven't done so already, make sure you subscribe. Make sure you rate it. If you listen to Apple Podcasts or on Spotify as well. Well, thank you. Appreciate you. And I'll see you in September. This is Eric Leach. While you're still recovering from that amazing conversation, let me give you a quick preview of what we got coming up next week. Make sure you subscribe so you don't miss out. I feel like I am sort of like the anti-benchmark, like, you know, which gets me in trouble. I think, I think part of it, if you go back, if you, you know, if you went way back in my history, and this is when I was younger and it was like, it wasn't always constructive. I think I really challenged authority all the time from a very young age, probably had to do with my relationship with my father and a bunch of other things that were happening. And so I always had an instinct for it. I would never take it. Let's play with the benchmark. I would never take the benchmark as something that one should do simply because it was the benchmark.